another gathering or just going someplace for an hour or two. But if you have a relationship, it becomes a lifestyle to you. Yes, sir. You know, I, I tell our church all the time, uh, I call it the roller coaster ride. Uh, you look at children of Israel, they were up, God bless them, and then the next thing you know, they're worshiping idols, they're down, God's about to destroy them, they repent, and it was a constant roller coaster ride. And I, and I try to preach to our people all the time, as you just mentioned, you've got to have a relationship with God. You've got to have a daily prayer life. You've got to have a daily uh, reading your word of God. You've got to fast and you've got to get your flesh in subjection. And then when you do that, then you get the mind of Christ. He said, put on the mind of Christ. Well, he, the son of man came to seek and save that which is lost. And so when you're winning souls, you don't have time to bicker. You don't have time to fight. You don't have time to, uh, you're doing his purpose and his plan. But it all starts with that relationship. You know, when he chose those 12 disciples, he built a relationship with them. But only three of them were part of that inner circle. Well, did he need money mo to get them to be a part? Who was the three? No, it was the ones that wanted to get as close as they could. And you find that, that here you find John with his head on Jesus' bosom at the Last Supper because he wanted to be close enough to hear the heartbeat of God. And right. I, I want to be close enough to hear the heartbeat of God. Amen. You know, one thing quickly I, that always got me, you know, when Jesus said, he who dips with me will be the one who betrays me. Well, I thought if you heard that, well, who in their right mind would ever do that? But I kind of got a revelation of that. The reason they didn't hear him say that because they weren't close enough. That's why Peter looked at John and said, find out who he's talking about. Right. You know? But John That's some good had, stuff right there. John was right there close enough. He could hear the heartbeat of God and knew what was going on. I don't want to be that close. Amen. Amen. That That's some good stuff right there is, um, you know, I want to be close enough to hear him and I want to be close enough to, uh, hear the heartbeat, uh, because I want to know the heart of God. I want to, when I get behind a pulpit, I don't want to preach something that somebody else preached and think, well, I'm going to get the same response. I don't want to uh, preach something that I haven't studied myself and worked out. Uh, and that's why I tell our young people also, uh, young ministers, uh, don't just preach something because somebody else preached it, or, uh, don't just, uh, go to the internet and get your message. Um, I, I tell them all the time, uh, at least change the title of it. <laughs> yes, sir. We are talking with, uh, pastor Gene Easterling, uh, this morning, we, uh, had a little bit of, a technical glitch there, but we got it lined out and we're doing, uh, well now brother Easterling is the pastor of Christian faith outreach of Ashland, Kentucky. He is also the section three presbyter of the Kentucky district United Pentecostal church. And, uh, I certainly appreciate you, uh, taking your time out today. If you got just a little bit longer, I'd like to recap some things for our audience. And, uh, you just let me know if you got to go, just interrupt me and say, brother McKinney, uh, got to get out of here and got to go and, and we'll sign off. So have you got a little extra time that we can do this? Absolutely. All right. Thank you, brother. Thank you so much. Um, uh, we, we asked you, uh, earlier, um, where you're from. So just recap, uh, where you was born, raised, went to school and, uh, give us a little bit about yourself. Yes, sir. I was born and raised here in Ironton, Ohio. And I graduated here from Ironton, and uh, born and raised here. Uh, it's kind of funny. Uh, I was a city boy, and then I met my wife, and 
she's from the county, so now I live in the county. So but we're still right here close, and uh, I can get to my church in 15 minutes, so that's pretty close. And so God bless us with that. So uh, that's where I'm from, right here in Ireland. Amen. That, that's uh it's great to uh, grow up in the place that you end up pastoring in uh, general area because that lets you understand uh, the people. People, no doubt, see you in the community. They see you at church, and they what they see in church, they see in the community. And I think that uh, is easier. I guess it. I could say it's easier for somebody in the community to pastor a church in the community than it is for somebody outside of the community to come in and try to pastor. Do you do you see that the same way? Absolutely. It's made a huge impact. Uh, even in our church, and there are several people that we baptized, got the Holy Ghost that I went to school with, my wife that went to school with. And even in this area, the Lord blessed my wife to work in a business. Uh, there's got offices in Ironton and around about. And I can tell you all the co-workers that have been baptized and full of the Holy Ghost. And, uh, you know, people know us here. We've banked here for years. We've shopped here for years. And so it wasn't like we were moving into a new place and trying to find new friends. I mean, God had people placed here that we'd already had connections with. You know, uh, I got to preach in Ironton here recently. Of course, that was my home church. But there are people that are in that church now that was my next door neighbor when I was in Ironton on 6th Street. And so it's just amazing how God, can, right here in this area, uh, like I said, we know this about everybody. And so right. it's been a for that. Absolutely. Um, uh, you know, um, you you grew up in the area uh, and, and you met Sister Easterling. Uh, tell us the story again, how you met Sister Easterling. My wife was going to a uh, small country church that were uh, a few miles outside the city limits of Ireland. And the pastor there was getting up in years, uh, I believe he was in his 80s, and uh, ended up the church was closing. And so uh, they were looking for a place to come. And so they said, well, let's go try, you know, the church in Ireland. And so, uh, you know, I was sitting on the front, and I looked back one day, and there she was sitting there with that group. And, and of course, that smile lit up, and right then I knew that's what I wanted. It took me a while, a while to convince her, but not too long. And uh, so we got to meet there, and, and so we were married there in the Iron Church. And uh, it's kind of amazing, you know, I'm just a little bit older than her, so she immediately, became, I was a youth pastor, she began to become youth pastor's wife, and then she became ladies director at a very young age. So uh, God just worked it out really good. Just amazing what God does. And I tell you, uh, you, you uh, spoke a Sister Easterling smile. Uh, she has a smile. I believe that she could convince you to go to church if you didn't want to go to church. She could convince you to go pray if you didn't want to pray uh, because she just has that uh, that smile, that that uh, spirit about her. And uh, she's, just a, she's just a pleasure to be around. Every time I see her and, and she'll come up and, and she'll, uh, you know, pat me on the back or something to say, Hey, brother McKinney. And, and just that big smile just makes you feel like, uh, you know, you're welcome and you're, you're part of everything. And that, that means a lot. You and her have really, uh, made us feel welcome in section three as part of the, part of the section. And I appreciate that so much. Yes, sir. You, um, 
the the church that she attended shut down and she came to your church and then you all met uh, and got married and then uh you uh you you started preaching at 17 was that is that yes, correct yes, and um uh, what did you do uh, as a 17 year old uh did you know what you wanted to do in ministry at that young age or did you have to preach a while and then be led in, in a different direction. You know, Brother McKinney, I knew at that moment I was going to pastor someday. So I never did really evangelize. I, you know, I preached out a few times for people that called me, but as far as saying, hey, we're evangelizing, that never happened. Uh, we began to just kick right in there to the local church, and then I met my wife, and we worked right there at the local church. And then we went uh, to a church in Portsmouth, Ohio, for a year. Uh, the pastor had some health problems. And, uh, and just assisted him, built that church up to about 100 or so. And then uh, Brother Keaton uh, was my youth pastor when I preached my first message in Ireland when I was 17. And so he was pastoring in Flatwoods there, Raceland. And we went over and uh, helped him for eight years and just being a second man. And then it got opened the door up for Ashland. And so 2003, we've been there since. Amen. Tell our audience how many years you've been pastoring there at Ashland. Been there 21 years this last January. 21 years. Um, Christian Faith Outreach is truly an outreach church. Uh, you have a bus ministry that is, um, I don't know anyone uh, locally uh, or even in the, I may be wrong and just don't know it, but I don't know anybody that has a bus ministry of the size and capacity that you have. And uh, tell us a little bit about, you were a bus kid. Just tell us a little bit about uh, why you think bus ministry is so important. Well, again, I was a bus kid, and my mom and dad did serve the Lord. And uh, that bus, I was five years old. Uh, every Saturday, Jan Dimes, the bus driver, was knocked on my door with candy with a flyer. And uh, they made that investment, and they were there every Sunday to pick me up. And so I, I couldn't imagine. I didn't have to worry about deprogramming myself from any type of denomination. I mean, I just went to one of the church and learned and got baptized at nine, got the Holy Ghost at 17, and uh, that bus meant the world to me. And, and so as we began in Ashland, you know, uh, we were, the church, the, the all-time record was 103 people, been there 32 years. When we got there, the church was burnt to the ground. Uh, the pastor had preached in two years, very, very sick. We took the church, and we felt like God wanted to give us revival, but getting there. And so on our face, we were praying, me and my wife, and we were laying on the floor saying, God, what do we need to do to have revival? And the Lord spoke to me and said, I need you to read the Gospels. Well, I read the Gospels. And he said, all right, now what, what did I do? I said, Lord, you were in the streets, and you were ministering to people. You went to where they are. And he said, that's exactly right. He said, now I need you to read the book of Acts. And so I read it, and he said, what did they do? I said, the same thing you did. And he said, if you'll go to the streets, and you'll reach out to people nobody wants, and you'll just reach out, I'll give you everybody. And so in that, we had a bus that hadn't run in years that was broke down, and uh, the church had. So I won my brother-in-law to the Lord, and uh, he was helping us remodel the house here, and ended up winning him and my wife's sister, uh, 
And so he was a mechanic. So I said, well, first job is to get this bus running. So we got it running, started filling it up. Then got another bus, began to fill it up, got another bus. <laughs> and uh, so we just started hitting the streets. And every week we're doing outreach, feeding people in the community. We're involved in shelter ministry every week. Salvation Army lets us come in there and have church. And uh, she made a statement. She said, I'll tell you what, we'll catch them and we'll let you clean them. And that's pretty good for the Salvation <laughs> Army. And we come in there every week in Boyd County Jail. Uh, we're feeding people. We're just out every week with outreach. And uh, we run buses to all sides of the city. We run one to the west, one to the east, and one in the center. And uh, and we bring in not only children, tons of children, but we bring in lots of adults. And uh, God's just been good to us through our bus ministry. Amen. Uh, I know that um, uh, your bus ministry, as I, as I was saying, is second to none. And um, I know that there's a lot of only, I guess, only heaven will tell how many lives you have impacted through bus ministry. And, um, you know, we never know when we're preaching or teaching or uh, outreaching. Uh, you know, I used to go to... Uh, USP Big Sandy and Inez, and uh, we went every week for, I don't know, four or five years. And uh, we got to baptize some of those folks. So um, you never know uh, how many you're reaching, uh, radio ministry and outreach and things. You never know. But bus ministry, I think, is something that you're picking up people that would otherwise not have a way or even not be interested in church. So uh, I just want to personally thank you for having a great bus ministry because uh, I know that your church is blessed, but more than that, uh, there's lives that are forever going to be changed. My wife is very kid-oriented, too. She loves kids. Uh, it's it's <laughs> Uh, on a Sunday, my wife will bring home sometimes 10 kids. They think she's her their age and wants to play with them. She's got the candy in church. Uh, we went to preach a few years ago uh, to a city down in Kentucky and was talking with the pastor. And uh, he made a statement. He said, you know, we quit running our buses because the kids were so rowdy. And, uh, and I'm glad my wife wasn't with me at the time. But uh, <laughs> I began to think about those kind of statements. You know, we've had... Uh, she rock kicked in. We've had even a window kicked out of a van before with the kids. Uh, like you said, you never know that every time we go to Walmart, someone comes running to us by a passenger that we picked up as a kid on the bus routes. And some of these kids, many, many, many. Uh, when we started this revival I was telling you about, we wanted about 50 street kids, teenagers. Their parents didn't care where they were. They would come with backpacks, and they would be boys upstairs in my house, girls downstairs. Now those 50 that we won are now my leaders in my church, my, my, my youth pastors, my children's pastors, or our outreach directors. And they have their own jobs now. They're all married. They have two or three kids each. And, you know, it all became investing in them, picking them up on that bus, bringing them to events. And, and uh, you know, it just pays off. You can't not be in the field. Brother Huntley, my pastor, always preaches the treasures in the field. You need a youth pastor to go in. You need a children's pastor to go in. And, uh, these, and now they're so loyal uh, to us uh, because, you know, we won them. And, and when nobody wanted them, we brought them in. They thought they were nothing. But now they've got jobs or managers or nurses or whatever, you know. God's just been good to us. That's so, amazing. 
you know, a lot of times people don't understand. Um, some kids don't get to be kids. Some kids uh, are just left to raise themselves. Some kids uh, are felt like, uh, made to feel like they're nothing. And when you take what the world casts away uh, and you start trying to nurture that and and uh, win them to the Lord, those folks, once they get in, they usually stay in because they realize how how blessed they are that somebody cared about them. And uh, I feel that's the way you and your wife have been to these kids. You have you have shown care, and you know, um, um, I think that that's that's something that's kind of lacking in our day because we're kind of all just expecting people to come to us when we need to be going to them. You know, brother, the one thing when I became pastor, I had to repent over. You know, we all have our preconceived ideas about people. You see somebody homeless on the street, you just think they're a bum, don't want to work. Uh, a prostitute on the street. These kids you just talked about, you know, we're, we're just, we're kind of like the story of the Good Samaritan, and we pass on the other side. And I, you know, I used to do that thing. But when I started and actually began to reach all these folks, I learned something very, very important, and I preach this at our church. Everybody has a story. And if you don't find out that story, now, there are a lot of people that don't want to work. There's a lot of people that, but most of these kids didn't have a chance. You know, my wife told me the other day one of the young men to work with, and excuse me if I cry here, but they said, Mama E's, what they call my wife, said, what would happen if I got to be raised by you? And you look at all these kids and their situations that they kind of, their parents care less, just throw them on the streets, and they're out there. But we're not going to get them just by opening their doors and say, we got church Sunday at 2 o'clock. You got to go find them. The treasures in the field are out there, but everybody has a story. You know, it used to be funny. The prostitutes would go by and say, "Don't go near that bus. Don't baptize and pray through the Holy Ghost." You know? <laughs> and you would believe the, the folks now that you would never know that standing beside the doctor at our church is the one who used to be a prostitute, but you don't. But you wouldn't ever guess it now. Think you know? about that. So God's that's, been good to us. That's an amazing uh, testimony of of uh, not only uh, the work you all are doing, but the response that the people are uh, giving you. And, uh, and and it's just a great thing. Uh, we're talking today with uh, Pastor Gene Easterling, uh, who's on the broadcast. Brother Easterling is the pastor of Christian Faith Outreach in Ashland, Kentucky, and he is also Section 3 Presbyter of the Kentucky District United Pentecostal Church. And... Um, one of the things that I wanted to uh, um, ask you about, um, I, I guess, um, Section 3 Presbyter, um, and you sit on the board of the Kentucky District uh, United Pentecostal Church. Uh, just tell me a little bit about your duties uh, in both of those capacities. You know, as uh, Kentucky District, we're divided into seven sections, and of course we're Section 3 in our region. And in that, each uh, the pastors and uh, vote and elect a president represent them in that session. And so, you know, I have two jobs that I, that I think very, very important. Is number one, I represent our brethren on things when we meet as a whole, uh, two or three times a year, we come together as a district board, every presbyter comes, some honorary presbyters, our superintendent, secretary, and we discuss issues, we discuss events, we discuss. Uh, there's a lot of things that may be going on 
uh, in our state. And so my job is to give the voice of Eastern Kentucky what our pastors want. Not my opinion, you know, but what our pastors want. Uh, just like I use an example, you know, we're going to have a camp at Bowling Green this year. We're going to have ladies retreat at Bowling Green this year. And, and that's great. And Bowling Green's great. But I just make sure they understand that, hey, our pastors, Brother McKinney's got a four and a half hour drive. You know, it's a ways to go. Can we be more centrally located? Or in areas of things, hey, our brother believe this here. You know, this is what we would like to see. And so my job is, is not to be the pastor of the brethren, but to be a voice for the brethren. And then, Really, my heartbeat, the reason I really, when my name came up for pastor that I accepted, is, you know, we have 13 churches in our section that go all the way from Phelps, where you're at, all the way to Mount Sterling and everything in between. And so there were a lot of churches that are struggling. Uh, maybe pastors are getting up in age. Or sometimes, especially where you or Brother Crum or so far on the other side, I didn't want pastors to feel isolated. Or uh, Brother Madcox on the other side. I wanted to make them know that, hey, we're in this thing together. We're a team. If you need help, you know, some of the biggest things, problems we have is people asking for help because we've been hurt before. We don't trust. I want to build trust in my brethren and know, hey, listen, you know, if I come into your town to help you out, I'm not going to take your people. Uh, we're going to work together. And we're all one church. We're not the, we're the church, not your individual church, my individual church. So my goal was to help establish new churches and help strengthen the churches we have and the pastors that we have and give them a voice, give them a platform and get together in meetings where we can just be together in fellowship and basically just to unite. And I think the brethren have really jumped on board and I think we have a pretty united section. Yes, I, I believe that, uh, you know, uh, from the very first of us coming into section three, uh, you have made us uh, made it known unto us that we are not an island. We're not going to be stuck here in, in the farthest point in East Kentucky you can get without being in West Virginia. <laughs> I can be in West Virginia or Virginia in five minutes, either way. So, uh, you made it known that we're not going to be out here an island to ourselves. that you're going to do your best to include us in everything that's going on. And, um, and you have done that. So, uh, I appreciate that. But, uh, you know, sometimes, um, uh, East Kentucky is, is forgotten in so many ways. We're forgotten in roads and, uh, and, uh, other, uh, job markets and things like that. Uh, and then it happens sometimes in church events that we're forgotten. Uh, one thing that I really appreciate and, and our youth appreciate is, uh, KYC is now in Lexington. And that is just such a blessing not to have to drive our kids six hours or five hours, uh, to Louisville or somewhere, just, uh, go to Lexington and, and, uh, they truly enjoyed this past KYC. Uh, this is the first KYC since I've been part of the United Pentecostal church that I didn't attend. And, uh, mm. I kind of missed out. I missed it because I always like to travel with our young people and just, but we got some young ministers now and, and ministers, uh, wives that are, uh, traveling with them and, they need somebody more their age to kind of hang out with because us old people, well, uh, nobody wants to hang out with us old people except old people. So <laughs> that's the way it goes sometimes. But um, one of the things that uh, I wanted to ask you, uh, this conflict, um, I know that uh, Brother Rusty Bennett has uh, a son who is uh, on a on a cruise missile 
ship uh, just off the coast of Israel. Um, all of the conflict going on right now with Israel. Uh, tell us a little bit about how you feel about your opinion of it, uh, maybe where it's going to lead or what you think it's a part of. Um, and uh, I always like to get that input from other ministers. So tell us a little bit about that. Sure. You know, I really believe it's part of the end time. Uh, you can just see the world of shape is getting in, the economy, the system, uh, the politics, all these things. Even, you know, from Ukraine here just a few years ago, still fighting, to now we're talking about God's chosen people. And uh, the battle going on there amongst themselves, of course, you take that back to Abraham and all that good stuff. But, uh, you know, I really believe that it's all in this end time series of events that is in motion. I believe the war's about to come back very, very soon. Uh, so, you know, as far as the United States and all that, you know, I would be surprised if we don't get involved in those things. Uh, you know, it's just a time for people who need to wake up and realize, you know, uh, the coming of the Lord's very, very soon. And uh, I don't think it's by accident, you know, we're looking at, and I, and I know it may not be exactly involved with the Israel deal, but you know, the gender and the things that the world is trying to put on our kids, it's all turning into that social system. So I believe the world's going to be in such a turmoil that when an Antichrist comes on, someone yells, I can bring peace to this situation. Uh, I believe that's where it's all heading to. And it's just part of that, the whole deal uh, with that. And then, of course, you know that when Antichrist comes and uh, all that mess, I'm thankful that the church is going to be ready to get out of here. That's you know, uh, I always people say, are you pre-trib, post-trib, or mid-trib? And uh, I like someone said, I'm pan-trib, so I'm going to pan out in the end. And uh, <laughs> I just want to be ready to meet Jesus. Amen. That's I it. I... Go ahead. For that end time, I really believe that. We're part of that. It's in motion. Amen. I believe, I believe all the pieces of the puzzle are coming together. Um, you go from the, the transgenders mess that's going on, uh, to, uh, all of the other abomina- uh, abominations that are happening in our world. And then you've got this, uh, digital currency that, that the world leaders and all these that met, uh, just a while back were discussing, uh, that there'll be no cash. There'll be no exchange of cash and, uh, everything will be digital automatic in your, uh, in your checking account or, uh, automatic in your savings or whatever, and you handle no money. You just transact with uh, a digital. Uh, and, and you know we're we're basically test driving that. Uh, you got Apple Pay, you got uh, PayPal, you got all this digital stuff that you do. And then of course we got auto um, uh, deposit from like Social Security and and other things. Some people have their own. Uh, uh, check from work auto deposit. So I think all of that is kind of uh, ushering us toward uh, that cashless society. And of course, we all know that's part of the end time also. But uh, I always like to talk to people about the situation with Israel because um, I've, I was in the middle of a, uh, I used to film like uh, weddings and, and, uh, and events uh, after, uh, retired from the coal mines, I opened up my own little computer company and did stuff like that. 
And I was filming a uh, a poli- local politician had asked me if I would film his uh, speaking to the community and stuff, and I told him I would. And uh, there was somebody come up beside of me and started talking to me. And uh, they said, uh, how do you feel about uh, the next election of congressman? And I told him, and he said, well, um, do you uh, support Israel? And I said, yes, sir, I certainly do. And he said, you do? And I said, yes. I said, the Bible teaches us to support Israel. Well, he looked at me. He said, well, I'm running for U.S. Congress, and I'm an atheist, and I do not support Israel. And I looked at him, and I didn't say it in a smart aleck way, but I looked at him. I said, buddy. You're in the wrong end of Kentucky. You're in the Bible Belt of Kentucky right here, and you're not going to go nowhere. And he did. I mean, he went nowhere. But, you know, you have that mentality that we should not be supporting Israel. Even our own president started out, yeah, we're going to support, we'll be there. And now it's like, well, don't get too carried away and don't do too much. And, uh, you know, it makes me kind of wonder if something was to happen here, like 9-11 again, what would our response really be? Would it just be sanctions or would it be, you know, a response? I totally agree with all that. And, uh, you know, I'm definitely be very, very careful when you talk politics. But one thing that I did really like with Donald Trump was he was definitely pro-Israel. And I know as long as he's pro-Israel, America's going to be in good shape. <laughs> yeah. That's right. That's right. Uh, so, you know, we're to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Uh, you know, yeah. that's that's a command to us, really. Right. So I hope this next election pans out somebody better be smart enough to support Israel. Absolutely. I agree. We are talking with Pastor Gene Eschling, and uh, he is the pastor of Christian Faith Outreach, Ashland, Kentucky. And he is also the Section 3 Presbyter of the Kentucky District United Pentecostal Church. Brother Easterling, I appreciate your time today. I know we went over a little farther than what we normally do, but uh, we had just a little glitch that we had to take care of. But I appreciate you taking time to do this. I feel that our audience has got to know you, and I will tell our audience, if you are in the Ashland, Kentucky area, uh, go uh, find Christian Faith Outreach and uh, and give us the address so our viewers will know where it's at. It's at 2700 Herman Avenue in Ashland. All right. Everybody knows where Taco Bell is in Ashland. So. <laughs> All right. <laughs> and uh, so you can find Brother Eastling there and a great church there. And uh, I encourage you, even if you're out of the uh, out of the area, go visit Brother Easterling and and let them know uh, that you uh, got connected through the broadcast and that you wanted to come and visit their great church. Well, Brother Easterling, is there anything else that you'd like to say to our viewers before we uh, close out? I just want to say thank you, Brother McKinney, for having me on today. I really enjoyed it, and uh, hope we were blessing some folks. Appreciate you very much. All right, brother. We're going to uh, close out here and uh, let you get to do some of the things that you got to do today. A pastor's work is never done. I appreciate your time. Thank you for being a good presbyter. Thank you for being a friend. And we'll see you on Thursday. So have a great day. All right. God bless you.
All right. That was uh, Brother Easterling, and uh, he is the uh, presbyter of Section 3. He is also pastor of corner of Christian, I should say, not Cornerstone, but pastor of Christian Faith Outreach in Ashland, Kentucky, 2700 Herman Avenue. Keep that in mind. Go visit, and uh, they're great people. They, they will show you so much love and make you feel so welcome that you'll want to go back. So we appreciate Brother Easterling. Uh, being a part of the broadcast today. Well, that will wrap our broadcast up. Uh, We had a glitch earlier. Uh, I looked up, and we were not connected to the Internet at 10 a.m., and that's why we got a later start, and that's why the interview was right in the middle uh, of the interview. But we got to finish it up with Brother Easterling. So before we uh, uh, sign off today, We do want to uh, bring up our daily trivia question. And our daily trivia question for today is simply this. It is simply, who ordered his men to kill priests of the Lord but found that they refused to do so? All you got to do is go to the Facebook page of CAC Daily iCast. Click on the link. It'll take you where you need to go. And we'll have the results of tomorrow's broadcast. And speaking of results, we do have the results of yesterday's trivia question. Well, we do have the results of yesterday's trivia question, which was, which prophet was a son of Berechiah? And uh, the answer, 100% of you got it correct with the correct answer. Answer. Zachariah. So, yeah, 100% of you got it correct. So, thank you for participating in that. And today's trivia question Who ordered his men to kill priests of the Lord but found that they refused to do so? Well, you can find all that simply by clicking on the Facebook link at CAC Daily. There you go. Well, we got to get out of here and get some stuff done. It's a beautiful day here in East Kentucky. Everybody have a great day because we are out of here. On behalf of Pastor McKinney and the Congregation of Cornerstone Apostolic Church, we would like to invite you and your family to come and visit with us. We feel that you will enjoy the spirit-filled atmosphere as we worship the Lord together in spirit and in truth. We have Sunday school classes for all ages, Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. and 11 a.m., and Wednesday evening service at 7 p.m. The adults meet in the main sanctuary, while the youth meet in the CAC Youth Sanctuary. You can also catch our services live by going to cornerstoneapostolic.org and click on the live webcast link during our regular and special scheduled services. If you missed a service, you can still watch that service in its entirety by going to cornerstoneapostolic.org and click on the video archives link. Come on out to Cornerstone Apostolic Church and experience the power of Pentecost. We hope to see you in future services.